Now, I'm trying to let you know you never answer a question from a pastor at the beginning of a sermon because it's always a trick question. (laughs) Even though we probably all could use a break in life, before you answer that question, be careful because I'm not talking about a rest or a cooling down period. The break I'm talking about is the process that we go through that breaks the things of the world off of us so that we can be victorious for God. It's a tough thing to go through. But if we don't give up and if we have true brothers and sisters that stand with us and don't let us give up, then we will be healed and restored and can be used by God to bring healing and promise to others. That God has called upon the body of Christ or the church to be the healing agent in the world. Because the world needs some healing. Amen? Galatians 6 verse 9 says this, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Well, one of the best examples of a breaking process is with Gideon in the Bible. How many people recall Gideon in the Bible? We're going to talk about him and how, not just a historical story, but how he relates to God's message to the church today. As we look at the story of Gideon, we must understand a threefold application. First, it gives us a retelling of a historical event to highlight a man of God as an example of one who had great faith and obeyed God unto victory. Second, it gives us a roadmap for the end-time church comparing the body of Christ to Gideon's army. And then third, it shows us what God desires to do in each of us as individuals as He prepares prayer and faith warriors for His kingdom. I want to begin in the book of Judges, chapter 7, verse 1. It says, Then Jerub... Who can pronounce that? Where's my English teachers? No takers? Jerubal? Okay, thanks. Then Jerubal, that is Gideon, thankfully he changed his name early on. I'm not going to say it again. Gideon and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Isn't that just like our flesh sometimes and God brings us through a trial and think, I, I can't believe I did it. Right? And it wasn't us, it was God all along that orchestrated things. When God is getting ready to do something new and revolutionary in your life, He has a set of priorities that He has to set in place first. The challenge, however, is that His priorities are usually in direct opposition to the priorities of our flesh and our human logic. So priority number one, to strip everything away so there is nothing else except to lean on God. If we do not recognize the stripping away process as God's plan, then we'll reject God's hand when He tries to take things from us. So many times God allows a shaking in our lives and difficult things, and God does that because He's hoping as we stand solid on Him, the things of the world will shake off of us. But if we think God's trying to take something away from us, we'll fight it. And yet God is just trying to renew us and refine us and to purify us for His kingdom. 
The problem is that often we are hurting individuals, much like hurting animals who have been backed into a corner. And when you try to reach out to help a hurting animal, you usually get, you usually get clawed at or hissed at. Many times when God is trying to remove the tangled things from our lives, we reject His help because we are hurting and we misread His intention to help us. Priority number two, understand that God alone saves you. It is this recognition and revelation that puts a solid foundation to your faith. It is God and nothing else. God knows that to get through this life a diluted strength and a compromised faith will be more dangerous than good. And so we'd have to go through seasons of renewal and refinement so that we give our all to the One who gave us His all. We must understand that it's God alone. It seems simple, but most have not fully accepted this revelation yet, which is why many times their faith is lacking. If we can find any other excuse for our success, then we will fail to learn what God is intending to teach us. God wants you to have all of Him, not just part of Him. Because with part of Him, He will be compromised. One of the biggest challenges to allowing God to strip away the things in our life is the fact that we have to give up our pride. Priority three, God has to change our perspective. You know, many people come to counseling. If you, you know, I'm a counselor as well. So many people come to counseling and their biggest goal is they want God to change someone else in their life. They come to marriage counseling, could you please change my husband? Right? That's, that's all I feel come. But, but then they begin to realize that, that, that we can't change anyone else. So you can, you can, your, your options for change are you can change someone else, which you can't. You can change your location, the situation you're in. You can choose not to change at all. Or you can allow God to change your perspective to see what you can do in that situation to maybe make some things better. And let God allow, let God change someone's heart if it is needed. We need to have God has to change our perspective many times when we go through difficult times in life. Because His priorities go against what we think. God has to teach us that what He is doing in our lives is good and exactly the right path where we need to be. It's not enough for God to just put us on the right path. He must teach us to stay on the path because do you know that He compared us to sheep? Do you know what sheep do? They not only fall, but they wander. They wander off the path. And so God has to teach us to where the path is, teach us how to stay on the path, and to help us to refine it again when we stray. Because it is human nature that all of us are tempted to stray from time to time. Therefore, He needs to teach us that when He strips things away from us, it is a positive in the right direction. Because each of us need to be broken before we can be built and fashioned into a warrior for God. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1-3, through 3, a very familiar verse. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Verse 3, there's a time to break down and there's a time to build up. Before a field is ready to receive seed for planting, it must be broken up and tilled. And before our hearts can receive the seeds of love and truth, 
it too must be broken to detach us from any earthly expectation that may get in the way or compromise God's perfect love for us. Therefore, in our lives, when God is getting ready to do something new, He first has to clean the slate so we can fully receive Him. This is done by the God-ordained process of breaking. And it's a tall order in many of us because we don't like to be broken. God has to break our pride first to the point where we accept and understand that we must be completely broken for God. And when we have strongholds in our life that we need to be released from, God puts us through a threefold breaking process. First thing, He breaks us down to remove all the externals that get in the way. Secondly, He breaks through. He breaks us down and then He breaks through into our minds and into our hearts and gives us a revelation of who He is to us right now in our lives. All of us go through trials. All of us go through some very, very difficult challenges. All of us. And so God is, is tailors that to, to speak to us. When, when God breaks through to our mind, He has a, a different individual message or a revelation that He knows exactly what you need to receive at this very moment. Depending on where we are in life and what we need, these revelation breakthroughs are personal and unique. Some may get the revelation that He loves you with an unending love. Maybe you have beaten yourself down and shamed yourself for what you've been through. and Maybe you felt rejection from the world. And as God breaks that off of you, God speaks to you and He says, I love you. My love is everlasting. My love is unconditional. No matter what you do, nothing can get in the way of my love for you. When you're in a time where you need to see that and you sense God speaking that to you, it's, it's amazing what God does in your life. Others may come to know that God has your back, that He has your front, that He's all around you. God comes to you as the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit means a paraclete in the Greek. Paraclete means one who comes alongside of you. The Holy Spirit goes with you through the trials, and, and He brings you through the fire and through the water. God is always there for us. And so God may give you that revelation in your life. Others may get the revelation that He is your Creator. And that as you put your trust in Him, He will create new ways and new avenues for you to find peace and purpose in your life. Wherever you find yourself in life, God will speak truth to you as you submit to the breaking process. Yet some will mistakenly think that they have succeed, achieved a success after a breakthrough has happened. They will say things like, I finally got my breakthrough. The problem is it's not us who breaks through to God, but God who breaks through to us. Also, the breakthrough is not the final part of the process. For breakthroughs are not measured in moments of time, but in consistently standing on truths over a long period of time so that we complete the breaking process and then actually break away from whatever has been holding on to us. Number three, third part of the breaking process is the breaking down, the breakthrough, and then the breaking away. With God's help, we break away from our strongholds. This breaking away results from standing on His words and refusing to give the enemy any power or control over us. 
There is a breaking away from whatever has had its grip on us so that we can hold tightly on to God and be embraced by Him. Well, as we rejoin Gideon, we see this lesson of this breaking away unfolding in the Bible. Remember, it's about Gideon, but it's also about the church at this time. Judges 7, verse 3. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned. And only 10,000 remained. You see, God cannot work in a heart or a life that has been compromised by fear. So the first thing He must do in the breaking down process is to drive fear away from us. Many people succumb to fear and believe that the world or things in the world or others in the world are all-powerful. Fear of the world and of other people works in direct opposition to faith in God. Galatians 1.10 tells us that for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. If you were moved by how you think others think of you, then you can't be a bondservant of Christ. You can't be faithfully serving God if you're serving men or women and their attitudes and their perceptions about you. Many are held captive in fear and especially in what others think about them. They feel they have to please others at all costs. However, we cannot fully serve God if we fear others more than we fear disobeying God. Therefore, God must remove fear of others before He can begin. But fear can't just be cast out because the vacuum principle takes effect. When fear is gone, something else will take its place. This is how trust is born. As we trust God when all these things happen, as we allow it to drive us to God, as we learn to turn to Him and lean on Him, we learn to trust God by taking Him at His Word. We don't just read and study the Bible. We stand on His Word and we live on it and depend on it. We depend it to be true for us and for everything. We lean on it that if this wasn't here, I'd fall right down. That's so weird to do with God's Word. I'm going to believe on it, believe it, and I don't care if you don't agree with me, I'm going to stand it because it's not true, I'm going to fall. But God is faithful. He will not forsake us. He will not allow us to fall if we don't have a, if, but we must have an uncompromised stance. We must believe in God and His Word and not have a plan B. I can't say, God, I'm going to pray for this or that, but if it doesn't happen, I'm going to do this. But our flesh tries to tell us to do it all the time, and God's saying, I want all of you. I gave you my all so that you could have everything, but I need all of you. Not compromised. Judges 7, verse 4. But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, and this, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. See, the next part of the breaking down process is submitting to the way that God tests us to purify our resolve and to refine our faith and trust in Him. 
Learning to trust God relies heavily in not falling back on our own logic to figure things out. Not falling back on our wisdom, but in learning how to follow God. It only happens if we're in His Word and we know His Word because our logic will always tell you to go a different way. Proverbs 3, verse 7, written by, written through Solomon, says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Trust is putting fear in its rightful place. In fact, throughout the Bible, we're told that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Have you heard that lately? It was in our call to worship this morning. Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we are trusting God and putting our faith in Him, then nothing should cause us to fear so much that it breaks our reliance and complete trust in God. Why am I talking about this so much? It's because right now in our world, fear is gripping our world. It's overtaken the world and it's overtaken the country right now. It's overtaken the stock market, which is completely responding to fear. We need to have an understanding of what God says. The coronavirus, the political climate, and an erratic stock market must not drive us into fear and direct our every thought, word, and action. All of these things must drive us to God. It is only when we put Him in the driver's seat that He increases our faith and that He gives us a peace that passes all understanding, and that He keeps us focused on His eternal glory. Amen? Judges 7, verses 5-7. through 7. We continue. So He brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink, and the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. See, God needs people who are going to stay focused to the task. Those who lapped water from their hand continued to keep their focus ahead by bringing the water to their mouth and keeping their focus forward. The others, that dropped, the others who dropped to their knees dropped their focus, putting their faces into the water. We must understand that as a church and as a victorious individuals and individual believers in Jesus Christ, we must not lose our focus. The world, the internet, the media is all trying to get us to lose our focus. They're trying to get us caught up in fear instead of faith in our God. And our God is bigger than all. We must not lose focus. We can't afford to take a week off or a day off and not seek God while we are out gratifying the desires of our flesh. Of course we can enjoy life. That's what God gave us this life for. Of course we can enjoy one another's company. Of course we can do all those things. But Christianity is not something you take off when you're in the world and then just put back on when you're in church or around other Christians. In order for the church to be victorious and endure through these times today, there's no room for what I would call 
the Mr. Rogers neighborhood kind of faith. It's no hit on Fred Rogers, great man. But we can't have that kind of faith. What I mean is this, do you remember how every episode would begin by the music playing and Fred Rogers would enter the house singing what? Won't you be my neighbor? Remember that song? And as he entered, he would go to the closet and get out his sweater and put it on and put on his shoes so he could be Mr. Rogers. And then he would enter his imaginary world of make-believe where every problem had easy answers that could be solved before the show was over. Life's not like that, is it? And when it was time for him to re-enter the world, he would take off the sweaters and the shoes and leave singing a different song. Too many people who call themselves Christians do the same thing. They try to put on their Christian sweater and shoes doing what they feel are safe times to be a Christian. But then when they want to hit the bars or talk to other people or talk about other people or do a hundred one other things, they take off their Christian clothes and they change their focus and they go live and act however they want. Ignoring the little prompts that when we get convicted in our hearts that we're going too far in gossiping or complaining or indulging. They just assume that when it's time again, they could just return to the closet and open the door and put their Christian sweater back on again. But what, ha- what happens if the closet door is locked and God does not allow you to continue to disgrace His name any longer? Listen, this is a serious warning. It would be a lot easier for me to get up and give a flowery message, but that's not the message that God put on my heart. It's a serious warning that we get from God, especially in this day and age. If we call ourselves Christian, then we, Christians, we must live it and breathe it and define it in all we do. We can't afford to lose our focus and bury our faces in the water even for a moment. Do you remember what Jesus said on this topic? It's one of His strongest warnings. Matthew chapter 7. Starting at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name? And done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Listen, it's not about what you think you are doing for God, like going to church or talking about Him. It's about what you do with God. Your personal relationship with Him. Especially outside of church and outside of church-related activities. God is calling each of us right now to depend on Him because the world is turning up the volume on fear causing so many people who are broken to turn to drugs and bad relationships and many other things trying to fill that hole, that void in their heart. And Jesus is the only answer. That's why we're here. Because we believe by faith that Jesus is our answer. You're not going to find it out there. You're going to find it right there at the cross. Jesus is our answer. We can't afford to be cast from His presence. Therefore, as Jesus did, I too implore you to stay focused and stay in the faith. And if you see or feel yourself slipping, then call somebody right away. Get an accountability partner who will stand with you. 
until you can stand again. Don't give up. Stay focused. That's why we have these get-togethers and the, the Lenten soup studies and the Bible studies and, and the prayer nights to come together so that we can stand with you because life is tough. And life is very unfair sometimes. But all those things should drive us closer to God, not away from Him. I know I'm passionate today. It's the word that God gave me. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 10. Be sober. That means be alert. Be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. If this is not a word for right now in history, I don't know what is. The Bible says that in the last days, many will fall away from the faith. It is called the great apostasy. And I will tell you that the biggest reason why I believe that people will fall away from the faith is because of fear of things in the world. And because their personal theologies, in their personal theologies that they have created themselves, have no room for Christians to suffer or to go through trials and tribulations, even though the Bible clearly states this again and again and again. In places like India, where we support missionaries. In places like Pakistan, where it's against the law to be a Christian. In places like Israel and Gaza, where we support missionaries there as well. In places all over the Middle East, where it's against the law to even be a Christian. If you put a cross on your house or your building, they see you, you are killed, not just threatened or taken some rights away. But in places like that where Christianity is illegal, thousands of people are coming to Christ every day. They're not, they're not allowing the fear to drive them away. Right now in America, we have these big mega churches. We have these big, uh, worship leaders that write thousands of songs. And we're seeing in the past couple of years, pastors of mega churches and worship leaders are leaving the faith. Getting, they're walking away from Christianity. Why? Because in their mind, the bill that they've sold about what Christianity is doesn't match their life, that there's struggles in life. How could a God that does all things, how could this happen? God didn't say that it wouldn't happen, but He did say He would be with us and pull us through everything. I thank God for the foundation of this church. I brought some friends I brought up from Bay City yesterday to the retreat, and I brought them to the church yesterday. And they were, some of them, one couple was just so amazed at that foundation rock out there. 1880. That this church is still standing on the foundation of Jesus Christ, not on the foundation of the world. That the fact that we've stayed true to the message of God, have not sugarcoated, yes, there's great things in the Word, and there's things we celebrate, but the foundation is on God, that no matter how the world shakes everything, we, we are still solid on the rock of God. Not a lot of churches like that. Jesus is our immovable rock upon which one can stand and not be shaken. He is our fortress. He is our strong tower. He is our God. Amen? Verse 10. 
But may the God of all grace who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, may He perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you. Yes, there's a shaking. Yes, there's stuff that's going to happen. But God will strengthen us and settle us in the process. The only way that God can perfect and establish and strengthen and settle you is if you stay focused and steadfast in your faith. As Gideon submitted to the selection of his army by the Lord, he put himself in a place to be used mightily by God. Now, with an army of 300 God-tested men, they would take the Midianites. And of the 32,000 that were there at the beginning, 300 made it through the testing and selection process. The good news is that if you have made it here this far, it's because God has believed in you. He will preserve you and He will empower you as you stay committed to Him. In fact, if you are even here today, hearing this message today, regardless of where you think you are in your walk with Him, it's because God has preserved you and has called you and selected you to be part of His team. You may have think you have come here for a different reason, and yet God has His reasons that supersede all of our reasons. God brings things together. Amen? So if God has called you and God's brought you to hear God's message today, how will you respond? Think about this. If you could have, if, if you could have lived in any time in history, why now? Why did God choose you and allow you to be born and to live at this time? Do you remember when Mordecai challenged Esther? to trust God and to make a bold stand for His truth? Esther 4.13 Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. Verse 14, For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows? Who knows? whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Who knows whether you have come to this time, to the body of Christ, for such a time as this. I believe we have all come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We must stay focused. And we absolutely cannot remain silent. Jesus must be on our lips. His truth must be in our minds. And His love and forgiveness must be in our hearts. Jesus is passionate, but He leads with love. And He leads with forgiveness. And he, We are not called to judge others who are different than us. We are called to point them to the One who can restore and bring together and unite. The world is continuing to talk and inciting fear at every turn. The enemy is not relenting to sow division in every chance he gets. We must take this time and responsibility seriously. Allow God to break us from our will and our pride, and we must declare to the world the truth of Jesus. He alone is our Savior. This is our time. As we are getting closer to Passion Week and Lent, it's all about renewal. It's not just the same routine over. It's all of us getting closer to the cross. 
getting to know Jesus. This is our time. As we move into a time of reflection of what God may be speaking to you individually, I would offer this song.